Welcome to the Main Street Telegraph, the Disney podcast that gets it all taken care of in 15 minutes or less. I'm your host, B. As you can probably tell, the show is running a little late this week. I've been feeling under the weather. You might be able to hear it. However, I have decided to move the episode's release each week to Sundays. In the last couple of months, I've usually released later in the week, Thursdays or Fridays, but I think Sunday is better and might give you a little something to brighten up your Monday blues. Let's get started on the last episode for October. Today's trivia question is, what year was the hit film The Nightmare Before Christmas released in theaters? A man has been banned for six months from Disney's Shanghai Park after he hit Mickey Mouse. The character was walking by when the man attempted to stop them. A witness to the incident stated that the man said, If you won't stop for me, then I will hit you. Then he struck the head of the costume. A crowd of concerned guests gathered around the man as he said, I did pat its head, what's wrong with patting its head? Most of us know how heavy and bulky those costumes are. The head alone can weigh up to 11 pounds, which means the person inside it can be easily injured. As reported by the South China Morning Post, this is one of several incidences that have occurred at the Shanghai Park since it opened two years ago. Last November, there were two incidents. A cast member in a Dale costume was hit by a guest and suffered a concussion. In another, a handler for Pluto was assaulted by a guest after he told them not to tug on the Pluto costume. Last July, a guest got a six-month ban for attacking a cast member in a Shelley May costume, one of Duffy's friends. Remember, folks, be gentle and respectful to all characters. Star Wars Land will be open by next summer, and I know most of us are cringing, thinking about how high the crowds will be. Well, blockout dates for annual pass holders have been announced and can be found on the Disney Park websites. Annual pass holder blackout dates can be good times to go, as sometimes the crowding goes down a bit. And just my two cents, while it seems like Disney is consistently way too crowded, the best times to be there remain the morning at open and after fireworks are over. After fireworks, a lot of people leave with their exhausted children in tow, but the rest of us can enjoy way lower wait times. And don't be afraid to go on Splash Mountain at night. Speaking of new lands, we can't forget about Marvel Land, set to be built where the recently closed Bugs Land used to sit at the California Adventure Park. More details have been revealed about what we can expect, but there are still a lot of questions yet to be answered. There are two planned phases, with the first being ready in 2020 and the second in 2021. The It's Tough to Be a Bug Theater will become the show building for a Spider-Man attraction where guests will be given a web shooter. According to Walt Disney World News Today, it will be a 3D screen-based attraction, like Toy Story Midway Mania, with guests shooting webs at, well, I suppose targets, bad guys, I'm not sure. The building itself will be opened up to the hub of the land, so it may be better seen and accessed. Honestly, this was a big problem with the It's Tough to Be a Bug show. A lot of people just didn't know about it because it was back in a corner where it was too difficult to find. Uh, There will be a Doctor Strange show where guests can meet the man himself. As far as food and drinks go, there is a counter service restaurant and a microbrewery that is likely to be Ant-Man themed. Get it? Micro. Phase 2 will include the Quinjet, an e-ticket level ride that is thought to be a roller coaster. 
There will be shopping opportunities, of course, with two shops included in the plans. Election time is upon us. P.S. If you haven't registered to vote, do it. It's so easy. Go to vote.gov. Anyway, the Orange County Register asked candidates for mayor, as well as districts 2, 3, and 6, how can the relationship between Anaheim and its largest employer, Disney, be improved, and should any kind of tax incentives to encourage development be an option? If you aren't a local, it can probably be hard to imagine how ingrained Disney is in the lives of the people who live there. Disney is Anaheim's largest employer. Lots of annual pass holders are local, but beyond all the magic and fairy dust, there are politics involved. I'll provide a link to the Laughing Places breakdown of candidate responses, as they also give an easy-to-understand summary at the end. If you're interested, please check out the show notes over at MainStreetTelegraph.com for this and more. A headline about a planned reboot of Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean series has been funneling around the internet, but I honestly find it a bit inaccurate. It hasn't been a big secret that another Pirates movie would be in the works, but it being a complete reboot doesn't really make sense with the information that we have. As reported by Deadline, The Week, and a million others, it looks like Disney wants to bring on Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick to write the script. Reese and Wernick worked on Deadpool. There isn't any word on whether or not Johnny Depp will play Captain Jack Sparrow in the film. If he is, that still doesn't make me think it's a reboot. I can see why people would suspect that he may not be in it, since there is a bit of controversy around him lately. However, he is still in the Fantastic Beasts films, and I just don't see those doing poorly. I'm not sure there actually is a monetary reason to ditch him. It also seems that Jerry Bruckheimer would produce this new film as well. Everything about this does not scream reboot to me, but I guess the use of the word could be accurate in a different way. While still turning a more than decent profit, the Pirates films have nearly consistently done worse at the box office. It makes sense that Disney would be looking to breathe new life into the IP. The first film didn't have a great opening weekend. It had a budget of $140 million and made $46 million. But it still ended up being a hit, making over $300 million. Worldwide, as of 2012, it sat at $650 million. Then Disney made the two sequels, and the first Dead Man's Chest did way better. It had a bigger budget, sure, but it pulled in a billion dollars worldwide. At World's End had an even bigger budget, but faltered a bit, making $960 million. And it's been downhill from there, with the latest installment in the franchise, Dead Men Tell No Tales, released in 2017, about the same budget as the second film, made $60 million opening weekend, and worldwide gross is at $794 million. But hey, worse doesn't mean it doesn't make financial sense to make another one. It still made a lot of money. There's the explanation for those of us who are sick and tired of POTC, and for those of us who haven't gotten sick of it, well, let's just hope the script is stronger this time around, that they can bring back the magic of the first. A new character dining experience is coming to Disneyland Paris. I suppose I might not have usually announced this, but I had no idea that they had a Colonel Hathi's Pizza Outpost there. The Colonel being the elephant from the Jungle Book that is leading the other elephants around while holding a stick in his trunk. Now, it looks like it will be changed to a character dining experience, though there isn't any word on whether it will remain Jungle Book themed or not. I think it will, since they are planning a big Jungle Book and Lion King festival next year, and this is super likely to be part of that hype. 
honor the Nightmare Before Christmas's 25th anniversary, I wanted to finish today's show with a bunch of fun facts. To answer today's trivia question, The Nightmare Before Christmas is a stop-motion animated film released in 1993 based on story and characters created by Tim Burton and produced by Tim Burton. It was originally released under Touchstone Pictures, a label used by Disney to release films thought to be more adult. Also, from Box Office Mojo, over its multiple releases, it has made $75 million domestically. Of course, the film now sports the Disney logo and opening instead of Touchstone, but those of us with old VHS tapes remember. It was the first stop-motion animated feature to be entirely converted to 3D in 2006. It was also the first animated film to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. If you watch another stop-motion classic, James and the Giant Peach, Jack's stop-motion figurine was used in the film. He was the captain in the haunted pirate shipwreck scene. It had a budget of $18 million. According to Box Office Mojo, it pulled in $8 million its opening weekend, but reached total domestic gross of $50 million in its first run. And Italy must have really liked it, as Box Office Mojo has it listed as having made a billion dollars in that country alone. It had a crew of over 120 people. They used 20 sound stages. 109,440 frames were taken. 227 puppets were used. Jack Skellington had around 400 heads. Sally had 10. That's all for this week, folks. Keep your ears out for my final Halloween episode that I'll be releasing by Wednesday at the latest. Remember, you can find all sorts of useful links in the show notes over at MainStreetTelegraph.com. Any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, etc. can be sent to MainStreetTelegraph at gmail.com. If you like the show, go give us a rating on iTunes. It really helps. And if you love the podcast, tell a friend. So long, everyone. See you in November.